C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp... I can't even speak today. I'm Camp Adulthood. (laughs) We're keeping it in. I'm sitting on the floor. I'm really... uh, need a nap. Okay. I am Camp Adulthood. I think... Do I... Are you sure I sound... Maybe it's because my mic is funny. I sound really like nasal in the mic and I'm like, it's making me talk funny. Anyway, back <laughs> it up. I'm Camp Adulthood, Jay Keats. And today <laughs> we have a very esteemed guest, um, a fellow uh, podcaster, an old friend of mine, a new client of mine, new-ish, um, and a really incredible Pilates and gyrotonic uh, instructor and business owner, and her name is Emily Hudson. Emily, you want to say hi and introduce yourself for the group? Hi, <laughs> I am Emily. Uh, is now where I'm supposed to like go into? Yeah, you can maybe say where you're born and speech. Yeah, how old <laughs> you are, etc. My whole, what my whole do. little, my whole little elevator speech. Yes. Okay. Uh, my name is Emily Hudson. I was born on April 11th, 1985. So that's where I fall in the millennial spectrum. Um, I am 33 years old and I have been married to my college sweetheart for 10 Aww. years. We celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary this year. We have two children, two little boys, Jasper, who is nine, Gus, who is eight, and we live in Wilmington, North Carolina, where he works as a paramedic, and I own a Pilates and gyrotonic studio. And I should also mention Wilmington is my hometown, so we did uh, move back to my home. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So many things to dig in on today. <laughs> um, so anyway, millennial moments. And now, of course, Benson, the dog is going crazy because I love it. Ambiance. this is a super professional podcast, everyone. Oh, don't um, worry. My, my dogs are going to be scratching at the door here like any minute, I'm sure. <laughs> mommy, mommy, we need you. Shay, so, do you want to start with your millennial moment? Do you I do want to start. Burning? I have two. Um, I do just want uh, comment on quickly on Emily's comment on the dogs do you think your dogs or your children uh bother you more when you have the door closed and you're trying to be quiet oh the dogs the The dogs agree yes I I made them pizza they have their iPad they're playing video games like they're fine (laughs) yeah dogs however cannot be distracted with an iPad no no they need to be in the bed with me Yes. Oh, clearly. you're you're in the bed. I need to be in the bed too. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Yes. Okay. Millennial moments. Okay. So I have two. Um, the first, they're both just kind of general comments. Um, the first is, have we ever talked on this podcast, Maddie, about how much I love magazines? Although maybe not as much as you, because you also 
love magazines. Yes, I do also love magazines. We've talked about your love of catalogs before, but I don't think magazines specifically. Well, this is an extension. I'm also very excited that it's catalog season. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we, yeah, so I went to, I don't know, Target, I guess, the other day. And I just like a crazy person bought like three magazines. And every time I do this, I like justify it to myself because I'm like, publishing is dying. I have to read all the magazines. So I feel like that was a very like millennial justification for me being completely frivolous. I did not need to spend $20 on magazines. Um, And then my second, which is completely unrelated, is I was doing some research today because I want to buy some placemats for our dining room table. And it's like, it's one of those things that's like, you know, you should buy and it feels very like grown up to have and I want it and it's good for the table. But like choosing a placemat is kind of difficult. Like I have a really hard problem with these types of like decor choices. So I went on Etsy to just see what they had because I'm always like, yay, support artisans. Um, And I went down this Etsy like black hole (laughs) and I was supposed to be on there for like 10 minutes and it ended up, I don't even want to, I don't even know how long it was, but it reminded me two things. First of all, every year I say that I'm going to get ahead on my holiday shopping and like have a whole thing and support local businesses and small businesses and artists and blah, blah, blah. And then I don't, and I just get everything from Amazon at the last second, like a lazy Daisy who just wants it shipped right to (laughs) You know, wherever we're holidaying. Uh, But this year, and I'm saying on the podcast to hold myself accountable, I am going to do it. I'm going to do all my Christmas holiday shopping in the next two weeks. And I'm going to actually buy from like Etsy and other small businesses. So hold me accountable, ladies. That's great. Two weeks. That's so far ahead of Christmas. Oh, I know, right? But also, this was the most important thing. (laughs) And the whole reason this is a millennial moment, as well as a Portlandia moment, when I was on the Etsy black hole, I discovered this thing that I have to have, and it is an egg collecting apron for my future imaginary chickens. So it's like an <laughs> apron, and it has, um, it's got like 12 pockets on it. So you can like collect eggs instead of putting them in a basket where they'll break, you put them in their little individual egg pockets. And then. How much does can- this item cost? <laughs> Thirty-three American dollars. It's very reasonable. And I think anything patterns. over ten dollars for that <laughs> is too much. I mean, it got many rave reviews from many. like crazy from chicken people, people. No, I'm just kidding. I think people so. that actually have chickens. Yes, yes, chicken did they, enthusiasts. Did they, did they speak to the functionality of this apron? <laughs> they said it was wonderfully functional okay. because they could collect their eggs and still tend to the other barnyard animals on their way back to the house, presumably to make breakfast for their children. Or you plan on having more than chickens? I mean, (laughs) I was told that we, I don't know, I think we've stopped at chickens, but I do want to have many dogs. It's going to be a dog, you know, farm, but not like a puppy mill, like a place where dogs can come and hang out, so. Wow, that's excellent. It's really this has been my day, my whole day, girls. It's a whole, uh, whole rabbit hole, like and there that. is more coming. Don't you fear? That's awesome. All um, right, Maddie, have a- so I have like 1.5 millennial moments. I have like one millennial moment, and then just like a quick aside. So I'll do the more somber aside first, and then we'll pick it back up. Um, but when I was on my 
way home from work before we were setting up, my friend Leah Sherman, former guest of the pod, posted this really nice post on Facebook and she's Jewish and she was talking about obviously the tragedy that happened in Pittsburgh with the shooting at the synagogue and everything. And it was really nicely said, but the thing that I want to talk about was she posted um, something that her someone had interviewed her grandfather about his experiences in the Holocaust and put it on like one of those websites that tries to collect like all of these stories from Holocaust survivors. And I've met this guy before and I did not know anything to the extent of like what his story was. So I'm not going to go so much into it here, but I'll post kind of the write up and the interview um, in the description of the podcast and on the website so that people can read it on their own time. But I just thought it was really nice. And I feel like whenever something bad like this happens people feel kind of helpless and they don't really know what to do and outside of you know there's numerous organizations you can give money to but I think the easiest thing you can do is just read and share someone else's story and I thought this one was really nice so I will post that Excellent. and then yes and then the second thing to go with the camping theme I don't know if anyone has heard of this but there's a new show on HBO called camping has anyone heard of it no okay no Um, Well, then I will briefly explain it. It's pretty good. There's only been two episodes so far, so it's, like, happening live. is this your actual millennial moment or your campfire topic? No, it is my millennial moment. Okay, just making sure. Yes, I know I get confused sometimes. It's my millennial moment because I was watching it last night, so it, like, happened to me. Great. But it's also slightly a recommendation, so I guess it could have gone in both categories. Um, But they – so – I'm, like, reticent to, like, say this fact because I feel like people have very polarizing opinions about her, but it was created by Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor, who created Girls, Mm. but they don't act in it, and Jenny Connor directs it, and I think Lena Dunham just, like, writes the script and stuff, but it's very different from Girls, so I wouldn't, like, if you loved Girls or hated Girls, I wouldn't really take that into consideration if you're looking to um, watch this show or not, but Jennifer Gardner is the lead role, and it's it takes Ooh. place in a campground. It's comedy. And Jennifer Gardner's husband, his character, it's his birthday party. And they invite some of their couple friends to go camping with them. And there's all sorts of hijinks. And I thought it was pretty funny. And I definitely am waiting for um, episode three. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like a situational comedy because they're camping. So I don't really know if they're like setting it up for a season two or anything, or if it's just going to be, like, a mini-series, but I thought it was pretty funny and well done, and I know, like, girls and Lena Dunham and stuff, like, rub people the wrong way. I happen to really like her art and the stuff that she produces, and I think this definitely holds up to that, and there's a, it's a pretty good cast. It's, like, indie people that you would recognize if you watch other HBO stuff, so would recommend. Excellent. Love it. Well, check it out. It also feeds into my fascination with ca- campground apparently I can't say the word camp today which is very problematic (laughs) Um, with campground camping because I did that for the first time this summer as opposed to what I think I talked about this after I went um, as opposed to just like hiking into the middle of the woods and you know pitching a tent camping so I'm excited to see how other people you know do it in the fictional world they have kind of it's like rustic like there's nothing there but it's like everyone has like an elevated sort of platform with like a tent on it so it's it's still like camping but everyone has their own tent and then there's this like lesbian couple that runs the campground and they're very hilarious so lots of different vibrant characters yeah 
I really like. I feel it. like running a campground could be a good future business venture yeah. for me. I I'm think just so. Gonna flag that. So. I think so. With your chickens. With my chickens and my apron. It's going to be great. Um, Emily, have you prepared a millennial moment for today? Well, I have a moment. I, I don't know if it qualifies as a millennial moment. I'm sure That's it something does. that I've been yeah. like debating back and forth after listening to so many episodes. Like <laughs> what what qualifies a millennial moment? But this is something that happened to me on, on Saturday and it has not happened to me. And I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, what, like 12 or 13 years. Mm-hmm. But I got hit on <gasps> Ooh. in a bar. Yes. In yes. Fact, and my husband was there, and it was so oh, weird. Oh, yeah. Did he think you were siblings? Like, walk us through this situation. <laughs> I don't know. It was so, it was so bizarre. So, um, I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but uh, Halloween is like in three days. Yeah. So, it, uh, this happened on Saturday. So it was like the night in downtown Wilmington where everybody's going out and dressing up and doing the whole bar thing, right? The Saturday night before Halloween. And we had bought tickets to a haunted pub crawl. Oh, fun. Yeah. And um, it was like a work thing with Jason's with Jason's work crew or whatever. And then we found out that everybody was dressing up and we didn't have costumes. Oh, whoops. And <laughs> Apparently, this was, like, all figured out while we were on vacation, and then, like, nobody told us. It wasn't, like, intentional, but we were, like, it's no big deal. We'll just sell our tickets to somebody else. So we sold our tickets to somebody else and thought, okay, well, we're not going to dress up, but we'll just we'll just follow behind the pub crawl, right? You know, like we'll just, we'll just show up at all the same bars that you guys are at and yeah. not do the whole, like, haunted thing or whatever. But anyway... We got like discombobulated and we ended up at the wrong bar. Like somebody texted us the wrong thing. And so we're we're at this bar and they're clearly not there. And so my husband went up to the bar to get us drinks. So I'm just kind of like standing by myself. And you have to remember, like I met my husband when I was 18. I got married when I was 22, started having babies at 23. Like I did not do the bar thing. I did not. So, like, I'm very much out of my element in this whole situation. Like, I'm feeling very awkward. This is, like, whatever. But, um, and uh, this guy just, like, randomly, like, walks by me. And he gets, like, really, like, close to my ear. I can't even, like, tell you what he, like, looks like. And he's, like, I just want to tell you that I think you're really hot. And I'm really digging that short haircut. And he walked away. It's like slightly creepy, but also kind of nice. But yeah, exactly, so I was like, I did. I started laughing because I like didn't know how to respond like a normal person. Yeah, and, never. And how to me far before. away was your husband? Was he standing right next to you? Pretty much standing right next to me. It oh was my so, god! So Jason, Jason turns around and he's like, "Did that guy just tell you that you're hot?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, it's time to go. This is weird. What are we doing? Oh no! Oh my god, that's gosh. hilarious. I I just love this story for several reasons. <laughs> yes, it completely qualifies as a millennial moment. Partly because Maddie and I have talked before about how being hit on in bars is a thing of the past. You know, it's not really know. something that happens in the same way. I remember um, thinking like, 
was I was just how the kids are doing it now. You just walk up to somebody and you tell them that you think they're hot, and it's like, oh yes, of course. But I also love that he commented on your hair because I have to say that one thing I've noticed since I cut my hair and like not say that I've been getting hit on very often, but like especially like right after I cut it, if anyone found me attractive or if I was like on you know the social apps for dating it would immediately be like, I, you know, your short hair is really cute. I'm like, yeah, I know it's cute. I don't need to be reassured. <laughs> it's not like I think I'm some kind yeah. of like ugly, I don't even know. I think but. you're definitely onto something because I feel like A, the short hair is kind of rare and it makes your face stand out. So both of you have very cute faces, you know, thank so. You. Aww, thank you. And I think most men probably not Jason he seems with it but like most men I think are kind of stupid and they just go after like the shiny and different thing you know yeah. or the thing that stands out and it's like there were probably many beautiful women at the bar but because something about you stood out he was like so compelled you know it's very interesting <laughs> I love it yeah I love it so, good one that yeah. that was that that made me I have like not been able to stop thinking about it because it's like never happened yeah. to me before yeah. and my husband was there I'm like that was so it's weird. pretty funny <laughs> also I feel like I mean you wear a very lovely like engagement and wedding band like you think <laughs> they would have like it's not like it's I mean it's, it's not so hard to check but it's not subtle like why <laughs> wouldn't he have just like taken a little gander so maybe he didn't care he just out of the goodness of his heart wanted her to know <laughs> she was beautiful you're really interpreting a lot of high <laughs> motives to this man. Well, he didn't. He didn't like stick around. He just That's like good. said the thing and ran away, which so. is also special. <laughs> kind of weird. Well, he then. was like, "I just need you to know, I'm just the fairy of good, good wishes." So I love it. I mean, I guess you just take the compliment. And then, were you guys done for the night, or did you go to the other bar and meet up with your friends? Yeah, we were done because they were. They, I. Like I said, like, that's just not really our scene anyway to begin with. And mm-hmm. once we realized that we were clearly at the wrong bar, we were like, let's uh, just go home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And all of the people and all of the people that we were trying to meet up with, uh, we had already had dinner with them. Yeah. So it's not like we hadn't seen them and spent time with them. Yeah. And, and one of them is getting married this weekend. So we're going to see all of them again this weekend. So... Oh. That's great. Yeah. I love yeah. So. All right. Well, Shay, do you have a toasty campfire topic moving I to the next? Do I'm ready to stoke uh, the fire. I want to talk about uh, two spooky TV shows that one I'm currently enjoying and one I hope to begin to enjoy shortly. Um, the first is is uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, I don't know if either of you on yes. Netflix. I'm very interested in hearing your take on this because I heard on a different podcast that it was like the most amazing television show ever produced and I really wanted Corey to watch it with me but he's a weenie hot junior and doesn't like scary things and he told me (laughs) I had to watch it alone when he's out of the house so (laughs) which will be never because he doesn't Um, go and do anything when I'm also here by myself so I will never get to watch it but go on it is extremely (laughs) scary I am not a big like I have a very strict line when it comes to watching any type of horror first of all I really can't watch anything that's about like exorcisms or the devil oh, I love or it. possession I love it no, give it I to can't. me all day long 
this is because I was raised a good Catholic girl and my mother was very big on the like old fashioned, probably being a Southern woman herself originally, like very big on the fire and brimstone. And she would say, if you watch Exorcist, Exorcist is going to come and he'll have to perform his work on you because the devil will be inside That sounds like a good fodder for a memoir. Yeah, A-plus parenting right there. So I really can't watch that. But I like ghosts. I like, you know, ESP, like all that kind of stuff. So, but I can't, and I don't like a lot of jump scares. But I saw this. I really like Shirley Jackson's. This is based on the novel The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, which I haven't read, but, you know, I've read other of her work. And I was like, okay, I want to watch it. It's Halloween. It's really creepy. David was into it. So we're like, okay, let's go. Um it's terrifying. There are a lot of jump scares. Which like, give us I don't give us love. an example, and maybe we'll put so, a spoiler alert on this. But give me one example of like how scary is it? Okay, Emily, is it okay if I give you a spoiler? Or do you have any intention? Oh, of there is. There is no way in hell I'm watching this show. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> you great. Go right ahead. So, the whole premise is this family. They their mother died in this house, and you know it was like, did she kill herself or was she pushed to do it by the evil in the house or whatever. Um, and then sadly her daughter, her, the youngest of the five siblings, she also goes to the house like 20 years later and kills herself because she's in such grief because of her husband dies from an aneurysm. So it all takes place. Like the other siblings have to come together and like, they're trying to figure out what's going on and there's all this scary stuff. So in the episode we watched last night and I just, so most of the episodes I have like my eyes covered and <laughs> David is watching it and I'm just like, what's happening? What's happening? Tell me what's <laughs> So we were watching it and the most recent episode, it was, fu- it's really interesting the way they've done it. Cause the first like five episodes, there's like a lot of scary, like ghosts popping out and just stuff. Oh that's, yeah. Like, I've heard that it's like, yeah. there's like the nun slash the ring looking girls just like everywhere in the background Every- in that show. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, that's so, why Corey won't watch it. He gets nightmares it, about the nun. I know. I laughed at the ring, though, which is also, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really, I have a really weird relationship with uh, yeah. horror. So anyways, uh, there's lots so, of ghosts. There's lots of ghosts. So, but then in this episode, it's about the funeral for the sister. So it's like, it's less, you know, scary. There are less ghosts. It's like set in the present. And, but then the two sisters, the youngest brother, then I'm really butchering the plot but he (laughs) feels compelled to go to the house um because he's gonna burn it down like in vengeance so then the other siblings go after him and two of the sisters are in the car and then all of a sudden out of nowhere a scare the scary ghost face of the dead sister just like screams at them and like jumps in between them in the car david and i and david like has not jumped or screamed (laughs) one time in this entire show we were both like oh my god it was awful so that's it but I would recommend it and I want to there's a couple articles I want to share or two articles from Vulture Maddie that I will send over and the the reason I'm into it is because it's just the narrative is really beautiful and the haunting um this article in Vulture talks about how it's a metaphor for grief. And I like, once I kind of read that and then was like applying that lens to it, I thought it was a really interesting way to kind of tell a grief narrative just to like get on my literary high horse. But then the other article is called, um, 
how scary is Haunting of Hill House, really? <laughs> and it starts with this girl who, or the writer, she says, um, is this too scary for me? Everyone's talking about how good it is. Um, but you're a wimp who doesn't like scary things. And I get it because I too am a wimp who doesn't like scary things. Um, that's why for the greater good of wimps everywhere, I watched all 10 episodes of the Haunting of Hill House to see, see out exactly how scary it is. The short version is it's really, really scary. Um, and then she goes through every episode and I just thought it was really funny. So I wanted to share that with our readers, uh, or readers, watchers, listeners, um, <laughs> So then moving on, which is really more probably millennial based, I am very excited to watch on Netflix the new remake of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. I haven't watched I've it. I've heard good things. It yeah. looks really good. Um, and the girl from uh, Mad Men is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Kieran, Kieran Shipka. Yeah. Um, Emily, were you a Teenage Witch fan when you oh, were yes. in middle school? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Melissa Joan Hart was just, is still so iconic, and I love her. But apparently this new remake is supposed to be just, like, a lot, clearly much, much darker and more dramatic and et cetera, et cetera. They also have a lot of, like, people who don't identify on the binary gender or sexuality scale, so they really, like, played that card up, but then... What I thought was really interesting is the director was talking about how it was originally supposed to be on the CW, but then Netflix picked it up. And because on Netflix, they have the liberty to do a lot more kind of crazy stuff and like push the envelope that ended up being like a totally different show than they had originally planned. So I am excited to see that, excited to see all of my Sabrina memories ruined. Um, It's going to be great. (laughs) I've heard that it definitely has more. I was reading an article. I can't remember where, but it was talking about all the um like making Sabrina like a feminist hero and that kind of thing and like having that kind of messaging but I think this whole discussion is very indicative of the millennial divide because I never watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch I've never seen it I was wondering about that so I have no like I know what it is and I've probably seen you know maybe a little bit of it in passing and I know like the cat and stuff like all the iconography but I never have sat down and watched it all the way through and it wasn't really part of my childhood so if I do watch the Sabrina remake it'll be the first Sabrina experience for me yeah and I think it'll be really interesting when they get the demographics kind of back of who watches this remake because I think it'll be a lot of people like me and and maybe Emily except I think Emily is opting out of all horror (laughs) um because we have, again, we have that connection. And then the younger fans, it's it's set in the, like, Riverdale universe. I don't know, all this, like, fandom nonsense. But Riverdale is very popular with the Gen Zs. So they'll probably watch it because it's kind of set in the same universe as um, as that show. So I think your generation, again, it, or your sector of millennials will come to it if they do with a totally different... Yeah. perspective so yeah very cool so that's my my toasty scary topic i like it um How about you? my campfire topic so there's i guess it's kind of like a magazine um it's called man repeller i don't really uh read it all the time but i came across this article i think someone i follow like tweeted it and it's called modern etiquette for the curious millennial and i will Ooh, I post like to it, it. 
and it was really interesting and they had um i think it's like an ongoing series but i just read one and it was like ongoing sort of like people would pose questions and then they had like an anonymous etiquette person kind of answer them and the two that i thought were most pertinent to kind of um like things that we've talked about in the past and like millennial all of them were pretty millennial but the two that i found the most interesting were someone was like if i don't want to invite the person was getting married and they were like i don't want to invite um some of my parents friends who maybe their views don't um align with mine or um you know, I want to have a more intimate ceremony. Am I obligated to invite them or even like family members, like direct family? And I thought it was really interesting because they said, you know, it really depends on who is like financially backing the wedding. So if you're paying for it yourself, mm. it's 100% on you. You shouldn't feel obligated to invite anyone you don't want to. But if you're relying on someone else's money, you really owe them an obligation to let them um, invite people, obviously not going overboard, but they should have a say and obviously if you're relying on someone specifically for money and you don't want to invite them you should not accept their money kind of thing um Mm -hmm. or like if you want your dad to pay for it but you don't like your stepmom and you don't want her to come like maybe don't accept the money so I thought that was interesting kind of looking at the dynamics as we are in the modern world of paying for weddings and who should be invited and who shouldn't And then the other thing I thought was really interesting was if someone follows you on Instagram, are you obligated to follow them back if you've met them in person? Obviously not like, you know, if like a celebrity, you follow a celebrity, obviously they're not going to, you know, follow you back. But like the three of us, like if I met you, Emily, like and I followed you on Instagram, are you obligated to follow me back? Um, And I thought their answer was interesting because they said no, because so many millennials really curate their feeds and the etiquette person was like I follow a completely different set of people on Twitter versus Instagram versus the people that I'm friends with on Facebook so it really depends on how often you interact with the person on Instagram like if you're constantly liking and commenting on their pictures or vice versa if they're always DMing you and commenting like it is curious to follow them back but if you have a very specific like you only use Instagram for work and you only follow work people and someone who follows you as like a personal friend you don't have to feel obligated to clutter your feed um with nonsense which I thought was really interesting given our conversations with some of the comedians and they've kind of just forgone that entirely and they just follow whoever just to get more followers and stuff like that we've talked to I think Mike and Justin um have talked about it on the pod before but anyways those two topics I don't know if either of you have any burning thoughts but I just thought it was interesting Um, I have comments on both, but I think I'd like to hear, and we'll talk shortly more about Emily's podcast and what she does, but Emily is really right now building a community of these movement workers work. Is that, that is not exactly (laughs) what I wanted to say, but you know, Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, gyrotonic teachers, um, et cetera. And I'm really curious to hear how you kind of apply that principle in your business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I answer that question, is my dog scratching at the door? Can you hear that? Oh, no. I couldn't hear I that. I can't. No. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Instagram and social media is like a big deal uh, in the Pilates world right now. And there are definitely like the the heavy hitters, right? Like the ones that have the most followers and they're like Insta famous and whatnot. And um, it's it's it does feel like a little win, you know, when one of them follows you back. Mm -hmm. 
because you've been following them and, 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 and they give you that follow back. But then, um, it's really weird. Like I have Pilates studio owners in my town in like literally their studio is a mile down the street from mine. And Wilmington, I like to say is a big, small town. We're not the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, but we're not Raleigh either. Mm -hmm. We're not Charlotte. So like, she knows she has to know I exist mm -hmm. and yet and I have communicated with her I have we've spoken via messenger like when the hurricane happened and everything like how's your studio is everything okay like blah 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 and she still won't follow me back yeah and it's like it just feels almost like a little bit of a dig it's like mm -hmm. come on like I don't know it's very weird and I try not to overthink it and just and, and just post the things on my, my studio Instagram that are representative of my values and what I want my studio to be. And if people want to follow that, that's great. Um, and I try to stick to the, the principle of I only follow other studios and movement professionals, Shay, mm -hmm. want to call you. movement professionals. Yes. Um, <laughs> It's hard to find a word that encompasses yes, all yes. the modalities. <laughs> we, I like to say movement professionals, but I try not to, I try to um, only follow people that I would actually want to have dinner with. Oh, I like that. So yeah. if, if somebody, and, and I, they're like, like I said, they're, you know, the celebrities in the, in the movement world and the Pilates world and then the gyrotonic world. And I followed them just like the other 20,000 people do. And then I had to, unfollow them because I was like this isn't this isn't somebody that I think that I would get along with and yeah. I'm I don't want to be you know following them just because 20,000 other people do mm -hmm. um because clearly the content that they're putting out is just not somebody that I think I would want to spend time with so yeah. <laughs> I like that I like that that's good it's a it's a minefield like sometimes I feel like, I'm just not mature enough for Instagram. <laughs> Probably the opposite. You're too yeah. mature. <laughs> it can be, it can be a total, it can be a total uh, mind F if you let it. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. And I think, you know, it's funny since I, so I recently within the past few weeks, I switched my account um, from a private account to a public account because I kind of liked having that little wall there but my business coach that I work with was like girl you cannot have your Instagram account be private anymore so I switched it and I've definitely seen an uptick in followers you know but they most of them only stick around for a day or two and I don't necessarily follow them back like I don't do a follow for follow mm -hmm. um but then I do feel like there are people kind of in my industry or people that I'm trying to network with that I follow, but I don't necessarily want to have them again, as Maddie was saying in my curated feed. So I am a big fan of, uh, the mute, um, because I think otherwise, so then I can still be like, I follow you. I still have you kind of like on my list. If I'm like, Hey, I want to go check it out. Like it's a nice little flag for me. But again, their work isn't kind of cluttering my feed. Um, which is, I think, more and more important, particularly as the algorithms get more and more specific, because I've already noticed I'm like missing, I think, Emily, you know, because you're my friend and my client, I always make a 
big point. Like I always make point to like your stuff. And there's a couple of times I've been like, well, I didn't see that post, <laughs> you know? And it, a lot of times it's things that I would be interested in too. It's not just that like, I want to f- like it because, you know, I like you. It's because, oh, like I, I genuinely find value in that. And then I miss it. And I know a lot of that goes back to kind of the way Instagram and I don't begrudge them for playing with their algorithms, but it just makes it important to me to have whatever is coming up in my feed um, be of value, but I also don't want to alienate potential Mm -hmm. networking opportunities. So yeah, that's good. Um, Emily, do you have a toasty campfire topic for us or would you like us to dive into the interview? I, I don't, I don't really, I, I guess like, I guess the thing that is on my mind right now, uh, being in the boutique fitness world and having this podcast is California just recently passed a law that really, uh, dialed in, um, and defined what an independent contractor is versus versus an employee. Yeah. And they essentially made it, they, they, they were targeting yoga studios, basically. Mm. I mean, California was targeting yoga studios. I think it's pretty obvious that that's what they were doing. And so now all of these yoga studios and Pilates studios in California can no longer pay their teachers as independent contractors, and they have to be switched over to employees. And that has... That has a lot of tax implications Mm -hmm. uh, that go along with having employees versus independent contractors. And so what I've been seeing on the forums and on other podcasts and things like that is studio owners in California are kind of freaking out a little bit. And some of them are saying, I'm I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to have to close my doors and and all of that. And so that's really been on my mind, especially how I want to build my business moving forward mm-hmm. uh, with my teachers, because I'm having a conversation currently right now with one of my teachers who would like to be moved over from independent contractor status to employee status mm-hmm. and and navigating what that means for me as her employer Yeah, with payroll taxes and unemployment and all of those things. Uh, it's, it's very expensive to have, Mm -hmm. to have employees as a very, very, very small business owner. Um, but I also think it's really important to, um, for myself anyway, uh, build my business in such a way that the employees come first and the, Mm -hmm. and so if this is what she wants, then, then I am more than happy to figure out how to how to make that work. So that is uh, what is on my mind currently. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. I, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And um, <laughs> Emily, definitely something we should touch base about on because uh, you are due for your quarterly call, by the way. That's right. uh, so <laughs> we should touch base about that. But I do think it's really interesting. And I think it's I'm curious. I mean, of course, there's no union of yoga teachers. So there's no there. They can't even really fight that. And I, I think while in some places, it'll be really good for the employees and other places, it won't be especially the ones that like to moonlight at several different studios or the right, ones right. that, you know, make their living cobbling together a variety of gigs, um, you know, and taxes get a little crazy. But um, that's and are other states kind of looking 
to go the same way? Or is this kind of just California being California? You know, I went to my accountant and I asked her about it mm-hmm. and, and told her what was going on. And she said, well, it is California. It's going to take a long time before it gets to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> She's like, this isn't really something you need to worry about right now. And I, I appreciated her honesty. But at the same time, I, I do think that the benefits that come with being an employee is what this particular um, teacher of mine is looking for. And, and I see, I see why she wants that. And I, I want to be able to provide that for her. So we are going to do our best to, to figure out a way to make this work. Yeah. I think my thoughts on it are, there's a fine line between protecting workers, so to speak, and stifling businesses. And I think these types of laws, like sometimes fall on one side or the other. And I think, your story, Emily, about your particular teacher at your studio, like a lot of these things are better conversations to be had between employer and employee and having those relationships be really valued as opposed to assuming every employer-employee relationship is the same and can be governed in the same way by the same law. And I think that's where kind of these heavy-handed government things I don't really like, Um, not to get too political into my own views. Um, but I don't really like stuff like that. Um, but I think it does, the good thing that I can say about it is it does spark these conversations again, nationwide. Obviously you're having a conversation independently from the law in North Carolina, but it, it makes people think about the issue when previously they might have just not been aware that there was a difference or, you know, people that are looking to start a studio. So I think opening up the dialogue is good, but I think, kind of putting the government in a position to understand like all movement professionals and their needs and you know making everyone do it the same way is not super great in my opinion yeah on that yeah. note all right yeah shall we dive <laughs> into the interview dive in so emily i feel like there's so many things that we can touch yeah. on Up with top, you. do you want to um, say the name of your studio and your podcast up front so people can kind of follow along. Yeah, Uh, I own a studio in Wilmington, North Carolina called Enjoy Movement Studio. That's Enjoy with an I. And uh, just to kind of play off of the studio, the podcast is called Enjoy Studio Ownership. And also with an I, (laughs) the same uh, logo and everything uh, as the studio. But the podcast is mostly about Uh, boutique fitness and owning a uh, boutique fitness studio and kind of all of the ups and the downs that come along come along with that so primarily my guests are Pilates certified or gyrotonic certified I did have one yoga person come on the pod uh, but her interview hasn't yet aired Uh, it's kind of on the shelf at this point but yeah that's that is the focus of my podcast awesome And Emily talks a lot on her podcast um, about in this industry, there's a really interesting balance between, you know, what I like to call not the fluff, but like the 
ooey gooey everybody the woo the woo woo. woo. i was trying to not say the woo (laughs) the woo and the fact that and kind of the like hip and cool kind of like trend like people that are just trying to follow a trend yeah but then the fact that these business owners you know emily is running a business not a charity and she has to not just make money but she's offering a luxury service to her clients so she should be making a good deal of money you know and kind of what that looks like and i think that's one of the most fascinating things um, that you guys, you kind of explore um, on your podcast. So, and even if you are not uh, in that industry, I would highly recommend checking it out because you drop a lot of truths, I think about entrepreneurship um, in general. So everybody listen to it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jay. You're welcome. (laughs) So kind of, and I'm on it. Oh yeah. Well, definitely. uh, Yes. Has Shay's episode already aired or is it, to to be forthcoming shay's episode airs the last wednesday in november whatever whatever that is i'll mark my calendar yeah we'll definitely cross promote that um but i want to take a little bit of a step back um to kind of how you ended up being a studio owner and starting this podcast so you mentioned previously you graduated from college and you got married when you were 22 so maybe fill us in on the last 10 plus years of your life. <laughs> kind of how sure, you ended up sure, in this place. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I went to Appalachian State University, which is in Boone, North Carolina. And that is where I met my husband. And we were both music therapy majors hmm. there. So that is my undergrad. My undergrad is actually in music therapy. And while I was there, I... Um, I don't want to say I was forced to take a Pilates session, but what ended up happening is the director of the dance department and the director of the music therapy department were really good friends. And the dance department had just put together this Pilates teacher training program. And because it was brand new, there was no awareness around it. And so these apprentice teachers had nobody to teach. And that's kind of a part of your apprenticeship is you have to teach people. So she called up the director of the music therapy department and said, do you have anybody that my girls can teach? Please just send someone because they're not going to be able to make their requirements unless somebody shows up. So uh, Dr. McKinney, my my director, I, I probably would have jumped off of a bridge if she told me <laughs> to. So she was like, hey, Emily, go over there and take Pilates. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I was really fortunate that Um, My very first introduction to Pilates was one-on-one with an instructor with equipment in a full studio. You know, most people, they take a mat class in a gym or they take on a DVD. And that was not my experience at all. And I fell in love with it. And I immediately knew I wanted to get certified in it at ASU while I was there. So I went back to my director and I said, well, we've got to add this (laughs) to my curriculum somehow. And she was all about it. She was like, yeah, of course. So... Um, I graduated from ASU in 2007 with my music therapy degree and my classical Pilates teacher training certificate and immediately followed my husband to Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I met Shay. Yay! (laughs) And I got a job teaching Pilates, uh, there and Shay was the studio manager. Oh, fun. Let's see how it comes full circle. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And you were at John Carroll or had you just graduated? I had, 
I had graduated. I graduated the year before, moved to Spain for a year, and then moved back. So I just moved okay. back to Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. So that studio was like literally right across the street from John Carroll. <laughs> yeah. From yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so that's where we became friends, and I pretty much had, I still had in my mind that I was going to be a full-time music therapist and only teach on the weekends and in the evenings. Mm -hmm. Um, that was pretty much my mindset at that point in time. And then Jason and I got married and immediately started having babies. And I just, I, I don't want to say I fell out of love with music therapy, but I think Honestly, I just came to the realization that the music therapy that I wanted to do, quite honestly, I wasn't talented enough for. Mm. Um, That's and... a big realization <laughs> to come to as like a 23-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like a whole other story, and I don't want to go, go off on a tangent, but it was a real uh, defining moment for me knowing that the – the type of music therapy that I wanted to be able to do was going to be outside my skill set. Like, I mm -hmm. remember thinking to myself, if I go home and practice piano every day from 8 a.m. until midnight, like, I'm still never going to be able to be yeah. as good as the people that have been playing piano and guitar from five years old. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't me. So, um, I just kind of dove into motherhood and so, I just want to tell a quick story about <laughs> Emily here sorry because this is one of the things that struck me when we first met and you were pregnant with um with Jasper and I, I remember distinctly having a conversation with you and here's me I'm like not dating I'm just like an idiot running around <laughs> and you were like, I am making a conscientious choice to have my babies now at 23 or however old you were, 22, um, because I want to be able to spend my late 20s and my 30s and beyond focusing on my career. And I just remember that blowing my mind at the time. So, <laughs> I mean, I'd love to, you know, and you said you threw yourself into motherhood. So I'd yeah. love to hear How about you your experience as a young that mom. Decision? Yeah. So I knew that, um, I wasn't going to pursue the, the music therapy thing. And I, Jason and I, we knew we wanted to have children and he had a good job while we were, while we were living in Cleveland and we had great health insurance. I mean, that's yes. just, that's just the truth. The Cleveland clinic is a pretty damn good hospital yeah. <laughs> and, um, my maternity care was going to be, was going to be on point. And even though we knew that we were going to be, um, we knew we weren't going to be spending our lives in Cleveland. We knew we had good health care mm -hmm. and we knew we wanted to have kids. So why not now? Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, had Jasper and then, um, pretty much immediately got pregnant with Gus <laughs> right after. And, uh, I have to, I have to say like, you know, my logistical brain was like, yeah, we have great healthcare and yeah, I don't want to stay in music therapy anymore. So why not have our kids now? And, you know, then the kids come and then you realize how hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was uh it was a really it was a really uh difficult time um because i wasn't obviously making a lot of money as a pilates teacher teaching random hours here and there jason was pretty much the sole provider for our family and we had these two young babies and it was hard it was hard being away from family um but um i think that it made us so much stronger as a couple going through that when we were when we were so young having these two young babies we didn't have any money we were far away from home uh but that reached a tipping point and eventually uh you get to the point where you're really i can cuss on this podcast right yeah bring it <laughs> you get really fucking tired of the snow yeah uh, <laughs> And I missed my mom. I really yeah. missed my mom. And so uh, Jason had been living in Cleveland for a lot longer than I had. And Boone is really cold as well. So being a be- being raised at the beach and then spending eight years in, in winter, <laughs> it was what it felt like. I was like, take me home. I miss my mom and I miss the beach. So that was a, a big leap of faith for us as a family because we were both jobless. Like we didn't know mm-hmm. like what was going to happen when we moved here. We just knew we needed uh, family support. And so my, my husband was in the middle of changing careers and basically all we knew that we had like to take to the bank was I can teach Pilates and I do it really well. So, um, I just started hustling. I, uh, got a job here at a gym a local gym, um, which is not my ideal setting. I much prefer a studio being in like a gym with like people lifting weights and personal trainers and aerobics classes. Like it's really not my scene at all, but I had to, I had to pay the bills and I had to, I had to, I had to take whatever I could get and nobody would hire me except this gym. Uh, but that ended up being such a blessing because I could take my kids with me. Yeah. Because they, the, you know, big, big box gyms have kids care. Yeah. And I remember asking uh, the, the boss, the manager at the time, I said, you know, is it okay if I bring my kids and put them in the kids care? And he was like, well, technically I'm supposed to tell you no, but we really need a Pilates teacher. So I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you do what you got to do. You do what you got to do. So my, my sweet babies, Gus was only six months old. Aww. Jasper wasn't even, I think he was like a year and a half and I would bring them to work with me every day and put them in that kid's care. And I would teach, um, four to eight hours a day. Wow. And that's really where I uh, built my business and eventually left that, uh, gym and, and went to a, a studio and worked at another studio, uh, that uh, was, Now, looking back on it, it was very clear that it was on a downward spiral from the day it opened, but I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) Um, You know, when a, when a boyfriend and a girlfriend decide they're going to open up a studio and then like, that's just, that should have been a major red flag right from the beginning. Absolutely not going to work. So yeah, let's open up a business together and the relationship tanked shortly thereafter. Oh gosh. Um, And so so then this, yeah, absolutely. So I ended up opening up my studio almost out of necessity. Like if I want to keep teaching Pilates and I want to keep teaching gyrotonic, well, nobody else is going to do it for me. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take the leap of faith and, and push this thing forward on my own. But at that, at that point in time, you know, we're talking like two years later, two and a half years later, 
three years later, since we moved home, you know, Jason had a stable job. We had regular income. And so it, I mean, even though it still felt like a leap of faith, we felt like we were on more stable footing Mm -hmm. for me to take that risk. And that was back in 2014. And here we are four years later, we're in a larger space now. I started off in 500 square feet. We're at 1200 square feet now and in the middle of teacher training. So it was just me essentially for four years. And literally in the next two weeks, I will have three other teachers teaching at my studio. So that's very exciting. Um, can you tell, so we were talking a lot about Pilates, but you mentioned gyrotonic and I know probably most of our listeners aren't really aware of what that is. So can you, uh, talk a little bit about that? So gyrotonic is a movement modality, exercise modality, very, very similar to Pilates, um, and that it has specialized equipment and you have to have specialized training on this equipment on how to use it properly. And there's specific exercises and and all of that is very, very similar to Pilates, but where Pilates can feel very linear, gyrotonic is very circular. So you get the word gyro, circular, tonic, toning, circular, toning. Um, I could go into all of like the woo about gyrotonic, but I won't go into it because people's eyes glaze over and they kind of look like deer (laughs) in headlights when I, when I go into that speech, but that is like the basic bare bones definition that I like to give people. I learned about gyrotonic while I was going through my Pilates teacher training certification at Appalachian state, but I really didn't get a full education on what it was until I moved to Cleveland and started working at the studio that you and I both worked at. Uh, Lisa Lansing's studio is called Inspiral Motion. And she operates her studio as half Pilates, half gyrotonic. And so that's really where I fell in love with it. And really where I got to fully understand what gyrotonic was all about. And so it was a real awesome opportunity for me living there being a teacher is I got to take classes for free. I got to hop on the equipment and have Lisa take me through things. Lisa is a gyrotonic master trainer. Whenever I freaking wanted, it was just amazing. You don't even like realize what kind of situation you found yourself in until you don't have it anymore. And so when we moved home to Wilmington, I looked for gyrotonic, not because I wanted to teach it, but just because I wanted to practice for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think the closest studio that I could find at that time was in Southern Pines. Which and is far. Which is far. It's like a two-hour drive from Wilmington. And like I said, I had really small babies, and that, that just that just wasn't going to work. Um, and I, so I just kind of put it in the back burner, put it in the back of my mind. Like, I love gyro, but it's not here, and I have young kids. This just isn't the time. And then I remember talking to the studio owner, Ashley, about how much I missed it. And a couple weeks later, she was like, you're not going to believe this email I got. And there was a woman, her name is Susan Maravetz, who reached out to her and said, I'm moving to Wilmington from Raleigh and I have a gyrotonic pulley tower. And I was wondering if I could put it in your studio. And she just literally fell out of the sky and was like an answer to prayer for me because there was no way that I was going to be able to afford a gyrotonic pulley tower. They're very expensive. Uh, there was no way I was going to be able to afford teacher training or teach or even take a session. And Susan had her pick of the litter in terms of 
spaces, Wilmington is really saturated with Pilates studios. She could have picked any studio that she wanted, but she picked the one that I was in. Yeah. And so she put it in the corner of the Pilates studio and I was like, will you please teach me? (laughs) And she taught me for like $10 a session. It was ridiculously cheap what she charged me. Um, and, and she did it out of the goodness of her car, of her heart. Cause she knew mm-hmm. that I loved it and I just wanted to do it. And she had another full-time job. She didn't need the money. Yeah. She just, just wanted to share loved the work. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Susan is really the one who brought gyrotonic to Wilmington, um, and got me prepared for my teacher training. I was lucky enough to find a teacher training schedule in Charlotte. And my sister lived in Charlotte at the time. So I could travel to Charlotte and stay with my sister um, and do all of the teacher training in Charlotte, except for the test out. The test out at that time was in Miami. Um, so I had to go to Miami for that, but everything else was in Charlotte and that was, that was doable. Um, and yeah, so, and then Susan moved to Raleigh and she sold me her pulley tower for again, a ridiculously cheap price (laughs) because she's just a wonderful person. And that was really the beginning of, um, gyrotonic in Wilmington for me. That's amazing. Um, and I, I don't know, I clearly am impressed with what you've built. Um, so we've talked about how a lot of your clients, because it is a luxury item or a luxury service that you offer. So a lot of your clients tend to be a little bit older. You work with maybe kind of younger boomers and older Gen X. So what would you advise? So if someone a millennial our age. So if I were coming into your studio and I was like, why should I practice gyrotonic now? And why should I make that investment? What Mm -hmm. would you say to them? Oh my gosh. I would say you have no idea how many older adults that I work with who tell me on the regular, I wish I had started this 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, I feel very fortunate that I do get to work with so many older adults because it's like I get to see the other side. And I feel like our generation and the younger generation, they're so focused on aesthetic, right? Like who cares how I get the six pack abs? I'll blow blow out my knee. I'll throw out my shoulder. As long as I look good in my bathing suit, I don't care. And I get to see all of the effects of that mm-hmm. in, in, in my boomers and, and like you said, um, who now can't, can't take that trip to Italy with their wife because their knees hurt so bad they don't know how they're going to walk on the cobblestone streets. Wow. Right? They don't, they have this, this, this injury that, plagues them literally for the rest of their life. And so it just breaks my heart when I see people killing themselves to try and attain an aesthetic when they, they, they're just not thinking long-term. Like they don't, they, they really can't fully comprehend how all of this is really damaging their joints and what that's going to mean for them when they're in their seventies, when they're in their eighties, when they're in their nineties. Like I, I just, I just really think gyrotonic is the best form of exercise. If you're, if you're in this life for the long game. Yeah. 
I really, I really, really do. And I, you know, there's a time and a place to push yourself. There's a time and a place to push the limits and, and, and work hard and sweat hard. But I, I don't think that, um, that's all the time. And I think that that's unfortunately where a lot of people are in their mentality with fitness is that it's, you know, balls to the wall all the time. Like if they don't walk out of the gym throwing up and feeling dizzy, then they didn't work hard enough. And that's so not true. Yeah. Yeah. Or going back to the injury thing, like Shay and I have a friend who fractured her hip in a freak thing while running a marathon. She had been training for marathons and she's run them in the past and stuff. And I've been spending a lot of time with her as she's been like recovering and stuff. And, you know, she's, she's doing great. She'll be fine and everything, but you know, I would imagine she's not going to be able to run at the capacity that she was, or at least that's what her doctors aren't going to advise. And Mm -hmm. I think the hardest thing, you know, hearing her talk about it is the fact that it was like a stress fracture and she didn't even know that anything was wrong until it was like catastrophic like it it wasn't like a gradual like oh this is kind of sore but like I'll push through it it was like literally nothing until it was like she's going into emergency surgery so and I think that was a pretty eye-opening thing that like you know training for marathons like it's a big accomplishment for a reason it's a big push for a reason because a lot of people physically can't do it because of bones and things like that so um I think putting those things in perspective for people and to go along with the aesthetics, it's also like not only like bodily aesthetics, but like the aesthetics of your life of being able to do these really extreme physical acts. I think um, it's good to kind of have, you know, take a step back and have these sort of, I don't want to say like lower impact, but more sort of like holistic ways Mm -hmm. of movement that I think gyrotonic and Pilates yoga can kind of fall into that as well. Um, Oh, yeah that people think of it as something that only older people do, but it's like, it's really for your whole life. Yeah. yeah and, and I think too, when there's too much of a focus on the aesthetic, you know, cause I feel like now that I'm getting into my mid thirties, like I just have to accept, and I haven't even had kids yet. So Jesus, but like, I just have to accept that my body is never going to what look like I could make myself look like what I looked like at 18. If I didn't eat anything and I worked out at a rate that is not healthy for me. Um, but that that's not worth it. But I think a lot of people, because they feel like they can't attain that, just give up on movement and exercise altogether and not realize that there's a really wonderful, happy medium there where mm-hmm. you can be really healthy and really fit and really toned. Um, but you don't have to give up your occasional indulgences and you also don't have to, you know, run until you break your hip. So, um, I think that's a really important message. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Maddie, do you have any additional questions for our guest? No, I think this is really enlightening. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what gyrotonics was until, um, Emily started her podcast and kind of started talking to us and stuff about it. And (laughs) so it's very cool. And it sounds like it's still a pretty niche thing if you had to go to Miami to take, the tests and stuff. Yeah, it's it's still a very niche uh, form of exercise. It is very slow in in um, up and coming. Uh, so I don't know. You probably don't know, but back in I think it was two thousand three. It was in the early two thousands. 
that the uh, there was a Pilates lawsuit. Oh, oh, and, I have heard about this actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they, it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they lost their trademark. They lost uh, their trademark, yeah. and it was a big, it was a big deal. There was all this hoopla around it, and they lost their trademark. So that's why anybody can call anything Pilates. Like anybody can like make it, make it up and call it Pilates. And so Gerotonic was still kind of a little bit in its infancy when that all happened, and they they saw it all go down, and they were like, "Well, that ain't gonna happen to us." <laughs> right. Right. So they've they've really done a good job of protecting the work and maintaining the integrity of the work. But at the same time in doing that, they've also really uh, stifled its growth. Yeah. That makes, yeah. So, so that's, that's why it's really slow, but, um, but it's good that you're getting the word out there and everything and I'm trying. (laughs) So Emily is definitely the face of the future of gyrotonic. I I feel so. Um, Well, Uh, shall we, we're a little over an hour. Shall we move oh, over yes. to the archery range? Let's do it. So, oh, I totally forgot about this part. Ah, yes. Questions, Exciting. Answer with whatever comes to the top of your head, but, you know, it's not so formal. So, Maddie, would you like to begin? Sure. Favorite movie? Uh, or it could be a favorite. It doesn't have to be the definitive favorite. Uh, the Birdcage. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, favorite book? I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Ooh. Favorite TV show? Uh, I just finished up last night, uh, Call the Midwife. Uh, <gasps> I love Shay that. loves Call the Midwife. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm also behind, so I can't finish myself. So It's, it's, it's so good. I love that show. Okay. Uh, favorite childhood snack? Um, salty or sweet? Oh, both. Uh, if salty it's got to be goldfish mm. uh sweet uh do you remember we called them ho-hos but they're the swiss cake rolls yes, oh, ho-hos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely oh, those are so are good, good. <laughs> i used to unroll mine i love yes eat, and eat the chocolate out first and <laughs> yes. like de-chocolate it nice um favorite podcast besides your own or ours Unless ours is your favorite. <laughs> uh, um, I really like Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas. Have cool. you ever heard of that one? No, I haven't. I it's a good recommendation. I just heard of it, like, this today. Yeah, so. he he used to do an episode every day. Oh, boy. And, oh. Yeah, a daily, a daily podcast. And they were really short. They were only, like, 20 minutes. And he switched it over now. Uh, he does one a week, and it's long form. And I like that better. I like that better because he gets into more about what that specific entrepreneur is doing and asks more specific questions where in the daily podcast, it was always the same questions. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm glad he switched it up. He had like 2000 episodes before wow. <laughs> before he switched over. So he's really good. Entrepreneur on fire. Excellent. Um, favorite Pilates move. Oh, um, favorite. I love the footwork. I love, love the footwork. That's the first thing you get if most of the time when you go in and do Pilates, it's usually the first thing you're going to do when you get on the reformer. And it's really simple and it's really straightforward, easy to teach and clients can feel it right away. And just like you can feel your alignment and your legs and your belly and it just feels really good. Love it. Awesome. Very nice. 
I think we Excellent. hit a lot of our good questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, wait, I have one more. Oh, yes. I know Emily and Jason have traveled. Favorite place you've traveled? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, we went, uh, it's hard. We've, well, we've only really been two places and we really like them both, but I'm going to say the one that we went to recently. We went to Munstertal, Germany. Nice. Very fun. Love That's it. Awesome. Which is essentially the Black Forest. So, you know, thank you. Cool. Cool. All cool, that. Cool. Love it. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Let us right. know where people can find you online and maybe plug your stuff again so people yeah. can check you out. Yeah. So um, my podcast is called Enjoy Studio Ownership. That's Enjoy with an I. And we are on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music uh, and Spotify. Um, and if you want to check out the studio website, the brick and mortar studio, that is enjoymovementstudio.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. Um, oh, and did you say your social media for the studio? Oh, at Enjoy Movement Studio with an I. Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Emily, so much. I uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of I was course. like really nervous about this. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> I'm like, Please. I saw it. I'm like on my computer and my, you know, he can see the text messages pop up. Yeah. Right? Jason just texted me and he's like, Did you rock that pod? <laughs> yes. Tell him you did rock it. It's got to be so. weird. I feel like I'm so used to doing my own podcast now, but I've never been on an- another person's podcast. So. It's yeah. different. It's yeah. different. Yeah. It's interesting. I think I know I found Emily when I was on yours. Like there's definitely this balance between not tr- like you don't want to take over the interview, but you're so used to being the interviewer. But um, uh, yeah, you, did, you did excellent. You yeah. rocked it. Great job. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, campers, we will see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page, where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.